What's up, Gang Cotton Nation? Tasha, I want to make a hit checking in. And you're about to hear the show presented by Express Sons Rooms of Columbia. Spurs up. Gamecock fans, welcome home. See how it goes, uh, but we'll be ready to go. It's time to root. Touchdown, Carolina! It's gone! Touchdown! What a hit! He makes it in! Can you believe it? Gamecocks have won this game! Here are your hosts, J.C. Sherbert. Oh, watch him celebrate now! Bill Molinax. My wife doesn't like hanging around losing. And Jamie Bradford. I'm telling you, you look like you joined Doug Dynasty. All right, greetings and good morning and welcome aboard Inside the Gamecocks, this show very proudly presented by Express Sunrooms of Columbia and live, of course, in the Sinorama Studios back home as we start a new work week. The last couple of days in February before we turn our attention to March, where March Madness will ensue on the basketball court. Madness, at least in our neck of the woods for the Lady Gamecocks. We'll get into some of that as we move along through the program, the Baseball team stays undefeated after yesterday's pair of home runs in the eighth inning uh, to take the lead, and ultimately they would hold on to it, sweeping a very good pin team this weekend. I was in Columbia and uh, certainly enjoyed watching that uh, that series. We got plenty to get to. There is football news that broke this morning. It looks like Freddie Kitchens is moving on from one Carolina to another and much, much more. Keith Allsup will join us coming up in hour number two. Signorama is the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics, and if you were at the ballpark this weekend, all you had to do was have eyes. If you had eyes, you saw their work everywhere, starting when you walk in the gates in the outfield. Those national championship banners that hang, yeah, that's that's Matt Vaughn's group from Sinorama in Columbia, and they're all over the place, all over the University of South Carolina and their athletics facilities. Sinorama.com, they literally can do anything and everything you could possibly imagine, design, production, install, and service vehicle graphics in interior exterior that's why they're the preferred sign partner of the gamecocks full service and gamecock owned and operated signorama in columbia jc and phil jc glad you're feeling better good to have you back phil it's always good to see you my man what's up oh doing well doing well coming off a nice weekend got to spend some time with my lovely lady so that was always that's always a good thing yeah yeah Yeah. i have I see it. How, let me get in front of you real quick. Jan, I told you I was going to come back. I had to go get my credential, and I had to walk in and talk to somebody, and I was about to come back out, and I totally forgot. 
So I owe you. I'm How do you sorry. forget about Jan? I know. I mean, well, I, I had to go get my credential, and I had somebody <laughs> I was meeting in there that I had to let them know I was yeah. there real quick, and I was going to run back out for about 10, 15 minutes and go back in. And I, sorry. <laughs> plenty, plenty of PBR trees in the future, right? You know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I felt bad about that. So here's my life these days. All right, it's 50 degrees yesterday and sunny, and I'm sitting out there in a in a pair of shorts and a short sleeve shirt, grilling. Because <laughs> it was like <laughs> my body's just like, wow, it's warm. Uh, but yeah, we we've uh, put some stuff on the grill. Watched watched uh, every inning of the Gamecock baseball game on Sunday, and uh, nice come from behind victory. Uh, probably was a little closer than. Everybody would have liked, but uh, like you said earlier, Penn's probably going to win a lot of games this year. And I, I think the, you know, the resiliency showed and uh, it's, it's on to the midweek game and then Clemson, but uh, certainly uh, you take eight and no every day of the week. Right. So uh, that's uh that was my take on that <laughs> after uh, you know, a very competitive series uh, against a good pinball club in Columbia. Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, they're they're going to win a bunch of games this year. Um, they, I was, uh, Friday, I was down there for BP talking to, to Monty and Coach King, and um, and we were just talking about I, – I was only talking about the Friday night guy uh, because there was, a, there was a scout that um, I guess Coach Kingston has known for a couple of decades who's, who's been a scout for, I think, 40 years or something. He introduced the two of us, um, and, um, and he had come up from Sarasota, the scout had, to see the lefty for Penn. And um, Mark had to kind of remind him that, that they were going to throw three horses out there themselves this weekend. And he even made the comment to him. He said, you'd be pretty lucky to have any, any of these three guys in your organization talking about uh, Sanders Hall and Mahoney. And, um, and so, you know, that, that to me, that stood out quickly. I'm like, here we are, you know, three hours before game time. And this, this scout who's been around for four decades driving up from Sarasota to see the lefty from Penn and and we're having a, you you know we got some pretty good guys over here too you might want to check them out <laughs> while you're in town but as the weekend went along you realize quickly uh, um you know they, those guys they, man they're they're gonna it's a it's an older group and um, they swing it pretty well and uh, you know that didn't show this weekend necessarily because our guys are pretty good but uh, they could pitch everything moved that's a that's gonna be a dangerous team. Uh, as the year goes along and they get to play a little bit more ball. Good thing Carolina got them on their opening weekend. Yeah, I, I think that was uh, good timing there because it's the first one, you know, out the gate and, and all that for Penn. You know, they start a little later or, or whatever. But, yeah. I mean, look, you know, th- th- this team, Penn last year, they beat A&M on the road two out of three to kind of in that – I think it's the same scenario opening weekend of, of their se- season – uh, but then they lost to some teams. Maybe they shouldn't have lost to. Jan reminded me of that the other day, by the way, speaking of Jan. <laughs> um, and, and it's just good to get a win. I mean, you know, I, I think when you look at the schedule, and, and I harped on this all preseason, maybe like, maybe I was wrong, you know. Um, <clears throat> I, you don't necessarily go dig in to like Penn and North Carolina A&T and UMass Lowell and all those teams. I mean, I think we we dug into U, UMass Lowell a bit just because it was the opening series. But uh you know, you, you kind of look at these teams as they come. And, you know, I think as you, as you looked at it, you know, as the week went on and, you know, you kind of thought after that first game, this is going to be a pretty competitive series. And, hey, that's always good, too, to have that, you know, because then you got, uh, you know, a tougher level of competition coming up this week. They obviously got swept by UCF, and the UCF's baseball team ran down the hill. Uh, and that's just another 
uh, another, you know, you know, on, on our end of things, we think that's funny, but you know, you UCF, I think they're just, that school has just got a big chip on its shoulder. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're going to claim a national championship now, you know, again, or something like that. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, so Clemson's not off to the start that they would like to be off to, obviously. And so uh, the Gamecocks, uh, I think after this weekend, there's some lessons to be learned. Uh, you know, uh, Kingston did reshuffle the lineup uh, on Sunday, and uh, and that seemed to work out a little bit better than it did on Saturday. So, you know, Carolina's just got to keep, uh, keep hitting away, keep plugging away at it, and uh, keep pitching like they're pitching. And uh, – you know, take your best shot. It's a big series. Clemson swept the Gamecocks last year, and uh, it's uh, South Carolina. It's a big series for them each and every season. So, um, looking forward to seeing how it goes this weekend. How you doing, Phil? Yeah, for sure, doing well. I mean, you know, just hanging in here. No, oh. <laughs> the, uh, no. I, I was happy to see that they, uh, you know, fought some adver- fought through some adversity yesterday uh, to get some runs on the board when they needed it. Uh, it's going to be, you know, you're going to need situations like that uh, where you're going to have to play behind. Good to see that they could get the sweep and come out of this. I mean, like I said, Friday, I think our focus should be, uh, you know, make sure we win weekend series. Uh, a sweep just makes it all the better. And we know that the competition's about to get up. But don't be surprised if Penn, you know, logs another 30-plus win season this yeah. year because that is one yep. hell of a team. Yeah, they uh, are yeah. a good team. Yeah, you're. There's no doubt. Uh, if you were there in person, you, you had a chance to see it for yourself. That that's a good looking club, and I and I mean that literally, literally and figuratively. Um, you know, they they they're they're a little bit different from what you might think coming out of the Ivy League. They they've got some dudes, and um, and they're well coached. There's a lot to like about that team. I think Coach Kingston mentioned yesterday they got some guys that would do just fine in the SEC. Um, and there's no question about it. that's not that's not lip service because it was close not at all. Um, they were they were pretty impressive, and um, they're going. I'm telling you, they're they're going to win a bunch of games. Uh, it's it's that's a good early season test. We'll look back on it in a few months and be happy that they went through it. Couple of couple of things here, and uh, there you go. Jan got right to it, and and I'm glad he did. Uh, he says, just really weird to see us behind Penn and UMass Lowell in the D1 RPI at 123. Queens is at 69. Hey, look, before we get to SEC play, guys, the highest rated RPI team left on our schedule before SEC play. Anybody want to anybody anybody take a guess? You is probably, it, don't uh, probably don't Bethune know. Probably don't know. Close. Close. Yep. Uh, Presbyterian at 73. BC, yeah. so, the Blue Hose, mighty Blue you know, Hose. <clears throat> RPI this time of year means jack crap, you know, and and really so do rankings. And I and I know and Jamie knows this. Jamie Churchill, who chimed in here just a bit ago, said D one isn't impressed with our eight wins. I guess we'll move if we have a good weekend this weekend. Y- yeah, more than likely, you know, if they, if they win the series this weekend, that they're probably going to move up a little bit. This time of the year, you know, these teams are all ranked in baseball. This isn't like football, right? We all know that. I mean, this these teams are ranked ba- strictly on how good they think you are. Not necessarily on your resume. I mean, unless you like came way off the radar, like Florida State this weekend to take a couple from TCU, you know, something like that. Outside of that, if you were already in the top 25 and you're just kind of doing your thing, you're pretty much going to hover around for the first two, three, four weeks of the season where they all thought you were. So I never put stock in rankings until you really start getting towards like the end of March because you kind of just start seeing, oh man, these team, this guy's pretty good. That guy's pretty good. 
and things like that. Um, so, you know, for those that don't maybe understand it as much, I hope that helps give you a little bit of insight. By the way, UMass Lowell's, as someone just said a minute ago, their RPI is higher than Carolina's. You know, so it, stuff doesn't matter. Tennessee's RPI is 20 spots lower than Carolina's, and they're the third-ranked team in the country. So it, it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it all figures out at the end. I mean, it's uh, – I don't know. I mean, uh, this is a Ray Tanner-era type of non-conference schedule, uh, with maybe the exception that Penn was a little better than people thought, and uh, that was the philosophy then, getting 40 wins. Mark Kingston's never won 40 at South Carolina. Uh, that's an important milestone to get to in this game, in this sport, uh, no matter how you do it, uh, as far as uh, making regionals and getting to host and, and all that good stuff. So, uh, and like Kingston said when he we, we interviewed him and I asked him about that, uh, you know, you got 30 SEC games. You got three against Clemson, one against North Carolina. It's 34 of your 66. 56. 56 sorry 56 man Whew. but uh yeah <laughs> uh so that's um that's more than half that are gonna you know hang in the balance so i, I think uh you know I, I think we'll see what happens but it is weird uh to look at those rpis uh rankings right now and go wow 123 that's uh, that's low at eight no but um yeah, you know we'll see we'll see what happens this weekend right i did see i want to get to this too um Craig, or just a little while ago, in the award-winning Nana Sports chat box, which is alive and well on a gorgeous, gorgeous Monday morning. By the way, happy green grass season, everybody! I came back home from Columbia this weekend. My grass is green. So this is fantastic. Oh, nice. Not, not, in, not in Chicago, but got a ways to go here in the south. <laughs> I'm certainly loving that. Uh, Craig said Noah Hall was giving it to the pin coach. All right, so let, let me explain what happened here. I, I was, I didn't know if it, if you were watching the Saturday game, Noah Hall got pretty pretty animated uh late in the game and this was after a pin batter hit a weak ground ball back up the middle that slipped by hall wimmer recovered it threw it to first and the 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 uh, batter beat the throw but he tripped and uh they had a conversation over there then the the first base coach did and uh they came out and kind of looked at this kid and they ended up bringing him out of the games he was a little banged up but the first base umpire called Mark Kingston onto the field, and the crew chief—I uh, can't remember his first name, his last name is DeLuca—and uh, Kingston went hat to hat. And I thought that was going to be the end of the road for Mark because on Friday night, this DeLuca was behind the plate, and he was freaking terrible. I mean, he was pitiful behind home plate. I and thought I'm not so a big, Friday night. I'm not a big complaint about the the strike zone is what it is, man. You know, I mean, you, you got to adjust as a player. If a guy's bad, he's bad. You got to know where he's calling it. You figure it out. But the guy was bad. He was bad for both sides. He was bad for Penn, and he was bad for South Carolina. And in one inning to the next was just a different zone. One inning he'd be calling everything at the top of it. The next inning, you know, he'd miss three or four there, and then something that was six inches off the plate somehow he'd get called a strike. So. They were already unhappy with this cat, who was very much a look-at-me umpire. Basically, like, I'm going to call you onto the field, and I'm going to show you what I'm what I'm going to show you right here in front of all these people. So I could, I could show you up because I've got a black shirt on, which is just teetotal crap. So here's what happened on that play. The the crew chief is was telling Coach Kingston that Gavin Cassis was tripping base runners. No. And and that's and that wasn't true. 
And now the 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 pin obviously the pin coaches for whatever reason felt that way and and good for them. You know, they're going to defend their guys and I, and I understand that. Well, Kingston basically said, "No, that's not true." And you know, I'm not going to let you you know, put this on my guy here. You know, if he trips over his foot, that that could happen, but we're not intentionally tripping anybody. So, um, you know, basically, you know, there was just some emotion that kind of came out in that. Well, word made its way through the dugout that, that they were basically accusing the Gamecocks first baseman of tripping runners, which would, number one, be stupid because you're you're really risking Achilles injury there. Um, and number two, just wasn't happening. If that was happening, you would have seen, you know, more than one guy trip who wasn't trying to just hustle down the baseline and get there before the throw. So, um, you know, it had made its way through the dugout, but basically that they were accusing Carolina of doing that. And that's why Noah Hall got much more emotional late when he had that pair of strikeouts, I think, to end the eighth or the seventh, whatever it was. The umpire didn't need to calm him down. Look, I'm not a big fan of all that at all. Um, I, I don't like it for Carolina. I don't like it for anybody else. I'm an old school guy in baseball. You know, you play the game, you shut up and play the game. If you got to say something, you know, you can say it, but don't just say it because it's because you can, um, you know, so I, I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, but, you know, emotion is kind of, you know, crept its way into the game and it, you see it in all different types of all forms and things like that. And it is what it is, but you know, they, they, they were, they were offended. We'll put it that way that they thought Carolina was tripping base runners over there because that was not happening. And coach Kingston certainly wasn't going to let anybody accuse his guy of doing it. So it wasn't true. That nor, nor, nor should he, you know, I mean, that's a serious thing right there. Um, by the way, I know we got to get to a break. Tyler in the chat box, tell him too. I'll gladly wear a Gaffney Indians black and gold visor uh, on the show and right. to represent upstate South Carolina. Yeah. Scored my only touchdown at the reservation where they used to play called the reservation uh, when I was in middle school. So nice. Lots of affinity for Gaffney <laughs> football. Yeah. I mean, as a Spartanburg guy, Gaffney, obviously yeah, like a place football. to score one. Yeah, man. High school football. That's uh, that's something else right there. So uh, yeah, man, that's good. But yeah, I, I had no problem with what Kingston did. And Noah Hall's an emotional pitcher anyway. So is Mahoney. I mean, those guys, they're going to come out and bring it. And I kind of like that to a certain extent. Uh, as long as it doesn't get uh, overboard, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But anyway, all right, well, we'll get a break and come back. Uh, this is Inside the Gamecocks, the show. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. 
in MLS 2229 LONMLS 1772182. Gamecock Nation, JB here, and I'm here to tell you about my new favorite painting company, A Couple of Painters. These guys are the best. Gamecock fans and excellent painters, and by far the best and easiest quote I've received. They're licensed in both South Carolina and Georgia. They offer 10% off for military, repeat customers, or if you heard it on the show, commercial and residential painting, deck, fence, and cabin staining, cabinet and furniture refinishing. They'll even remove popcorn ceilings and wallpaper, and they offer pressure washing. Find them on Facebook or call 803-522-6832. A couple of painters, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that, or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks the show this is former all-american shortstop drew meyer and you're listening to inside the gamecocks the show go gamecocks Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show, everybody, presented to you by Express Sunrooms of Columbia. Give John Barber a call, 803-446-4662, to set up a no-obligation consultation about a potential backyard retreat for your home. And, of course, the first hour of the show is brought to you by Cindy Searfoss and the Coldwell Banker Kane Realty team here in the state. Give Cindy a call, 864-414-5271. That's how to get into touch with her for all your upstate residential real estate needs. And we just were talking about it behind the scenes. Terry Holland dies at the age of 80. Mm. Former Virginia basketball coach really is responsible for bringing the Wahoos to prominence in that sport. And yeah, yeah, maybe it's what 300 plus win coach. I mean, yeah. Did he did was Kelvin Sampson an assistant for him? Or did he? I know Ralph Ralph Sampson. Yeah, Ralph. Mm -hmm. Ralph. I thought he had something to do with Kelvin. Kelvin I might maybe. I don't know. Of course, Gamecocks are familiar with him. He was the head coach at Davidson before going to Virginia. And back in the 60s and 70s, Carolina played Davidson pretty regularly. So. Um, but yeah, Ralph, maybe Kelvin. I don't really, I, I need to look up Kelvin. I've looked up Kelvin Sampson's bio like a million times because he's been a candidate for the Carolina job since like, I don't know, the nineties. <laughs> well, because he, he had a connection with Mike McGee and that's why every right. time the thing came open, 
Kelvin Sampson's name would come up because at Southern Cal they work together. So that's so, and, and I think he's from uh, Eastern North Carolina. So there's there's all you know. Kelvin Sampson's been one of those uh, guys that you know could have been the Carolina coach but never was. You know, there's a lot of those in basketball, by the way. <laughs> and uh, and so I've looked up his resume a lot, but I'm, I'm trying to remember if he if he if he did come from. But I know. I know Dave Odom came from the, the, the Terry Holland coaching tree. So there's mm. that. Um, oh, uh, well, Kelvin Sampson's from Laurenburg, North Carolina, which is near Goldsboro, which is where Dave Odom's from. And so there's that. And he played at UNC oh, Pembroke. So, you know, I didn't I'm, know not, I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. So he, uh, mm. he's always been sort of, I guess, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. he's a, he's a familiar name for no reason around Gamecock land. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. That's kind of a good crazy. way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> there's, so, a bunch uh, of, there's a bunch of stuff over here in the, uh, Nanosports chat box about the ACC. Uh, Oh, by the, by the way, uh, Jan, uh, DeLuca was the crew chief. Uh, I thought Barry Chambers would be too, cause he generally is, but it was DeLuca that was the crew chief this weekend uh, in that series, which was a little surprising to me as well. Um, a lot of stuff over <laughs> here. He might not ever be a crew chief again. He, he was he was so bad on Friday when, night. When, it's never good when they know your name. In, yeah, well, in college baseball, Barry, Barry Chambers isn't much better, but um, but but he is. He's he's a he's a good umpire. He he knows how to control the game, which is, you know, he he knows how to address coaches and he keeps temperatures calm. This guy's a moron. This this, oh, this guy that I'd never seen the guy before. He was terrible. Um, uh, but nonetheless, it is Clemson Carolina week, which is one of the top two rivalries in college baseball. Can't look, can't wait for that. Um, yeah. but the ACC, yeah, this ACC. Just, yeah, what's going? So what's going on here? Like, what what is? All right, so Florida State apparently their president who they like him down there. Uh, they think. Um, they, they really haven't had the best presidents uh, and really the best leadership at that school for a while, uh, which is why they're, you know, their football program kind of crumbled a couple of times, but uh, they're on their way back. And, you know, the, their contention is money, you know, the, this, this deal. And I've said it many times, the, the ACC schools have the worst deal ever. They're locked in through till, till, till 2036. Uh, there's no financial motivation because the, the league isn't exactly a big draw in any sport right now. I mean, look at basketball. Uh, and I know we're going to talk about, you know, how the Gamecocks may keep Clemson out of the NCAA tournament later. But, I mean, look at that league. And, look, a lot of it I think is unfair because I don't like the net rankings. Uh, and I, I don't think the ACC has been as bad of a conference as people want to claim. But, it, 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 you know, basketball, but they don't even have that. I mean, it's it, that's, that's quickly, I think, collapsing among – you know, the weight of itself, because it's no longer the ACC. It's sort of the, the Big East light meets, you know, a bunch of Big East a S ACC challenge games every night, it seems. It doesn't have that tradition. You know, losing Maryland, I think, hurt them in a little bit of the ways. But uh, Florida State's president went to their their board uh, or, or booster club or something and outlined how much it would cost Florida State to leave the league right now, just bolt. It's somewhere $120 million. But yeah. what I think facilitated that is, you know, uh, some of these schools, they look around and they see, well, Texas and Oklahoma did this. Uh, they got out of their league, so we can, maybe we can get out of ours. But um, it's, uh, it's going to be really but tough. But, 
but but there's a there's a catch to all this though. It's not as simple as paying 120 million dollars and dipping because they signed a grant of rights TV deal over to the league. So mm-hmm. so basically, the way I'm understanding this, or at least the way I've been understanding this the last 48 hours, 72 hours, whatever it is, guys, mm-hmm. is that they have to figure out legally. Okay, if we pay 120 million dollars. Does that also void our television uh, contract with the ACC? Or, sure, you're out of the league, but guess what? We still hold the rights to everything you do in television. Yeah, and there's so there's a catch there. They, they don't. It would be money. worthless to to pay without the TV. I mean, they would have to get out of that deal, and it's written in such a way to where you can even leave the league if you want. Um. But if you do, the league has the rights to your television. <laughs> How about that? Right. And as the Florida State could be playing in a different league. And, and, and uh, you know, and, and then there's the whole question, too. I'm sure Florida State University would be attractive to name your conference, right? Oh, it's a big brand. It's all that. You know, but I, I don't know that the SEC is knocking down the doors in Tallahassee wanting them to come join. I mean, I, maybe. I mean, they'd have to have a partner. You know, you'd have to add somebody else too, and kind of on the eastern side. Uh, and, and so that's, is that that's play here? Though? Up I think I saw this. Yeah, there you go. I, I think I I saw that question in here a couple of times. Is that the play? Hey, look, if we package this thing together, Florida State and Clemson, we fight it together. Can we get out and move on together? That's going to be tough. Uh, and you, you also have our North Carolina publisher, you know, and, and it's crazy to hear North Carolina talk like this because this is like Alabama talking about wanting to get out of the SEC. Uh, of course, we're living in a world where Texas finally left the Big 12 where they were the kingpins, you know. Southern Cal left the Pac-12 where they were kind of the kings with UCLA. Uh, so these bigger schools that have owned these conferences for years, unfortunately, you know, that, that's kind of not the way the sport's trending. Uh, and so to hear North Carolina talk about it, shocking because they've run the they've run the show for years. And you know they're they're Don Corleone, you know, <laughs> uh, of the league. You know, oh, just gonna you know I think we're gonna get the ground of rights taken care of, you know. Um, and so it, it, it's it, so the North Carolina publisher said that, that what the idea would be would be to dissolve the league, and you only have to have eight votes to do it. Well, then, you know, all these other schools, if you're going to get eight schools rather than just three or maybe four, uh, which I think if there were four, it would be Virginia. And I know, Quantrell, you disagree with me about Virginia, but there's other reasons that Virginia is an attractive school uh, to the SEC. Uh, I think Virginia, North Carolina, Clemson, Florida State would be those four. Well, then how are you going to get NC State, Miami, Virginia Tech, and these other schools to go along when they don't really have any place to go? You know? Um, and and yeah. I, I, I just – it's just weird to me. It's weird to me. What about Miami, guys? Think about Miami for a second. Are they as attractive as they once were? I don't think they are. What – what – what – I mean, I, I – look, if Miami is all of a sudden – I'm talking just football here, okay? Mm. If Miami all of a sudden is a top five football team – um. They are attractive when they are playing games that are attractive. Like a top five Miami football team versus Boston College does nothing for anybody. A top five Miami football team versus Tennessee, Alabama. All right. 
you know, mm-hmm. now, now you're on to something, right? So, but I, I guess the question, the question has been for a long time about market, you know, the, why, what, like that's why the SEC went, went into A&M and, and why they went to Missouri. You know, they bring in the St. Louis market. They bring in the Texas market. That's why the ACC did what they did. I mean, it did it really ever make sense for the ACC to go get Boston College and Syracuse? Well, of course it didn't. But they brought how many millions of people into their TV market for their TV deal? So, but is how, how influential is that now in the expansion of league play? It still is. It's a lot, a lot about brands too. I mean, you know, you, you talk about the Longhorns and the Sooners. I mean, that's you know, those are no brainers. Kind of like the same reason Nebraska got added to the Big Ten. You know, there's not as many TV sets in Nebraska as there is in New Jersey, where they added Rutgers. But you know, it's kind of a blend. I think though, that's why when you talk about North Carolina and Virginia, those are two very, very attractive options for the sec because think about think about the geography here i mean north carolina and virginia are both huge states populations up toward 10 million on both i think um big tv market charlotte raleigh durham uh richmond 757 uh northern virginia dc you know that really gets the sec in, into a lot of a lot more you know uh, it increases their value, you know, and, and then Clemson and Florida State are good brands. I mean, you're, they're not really going to add much to you uh, TV-wise. Now, and you mentioned Miami, like Miami, Virginia Tech, those schools. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe they, maybe the rest of the ACC they get with West Virginia and say, hey, we're going to we're going to keep the ACC going uh, and we're going to try to play football kind of like the old Big East, which – Honest to God, what's crazy about it is Miami was a much more attractive team when they were in the old Big East because they could go schedule like, you know, they had Florida State every year out of conference. And then they would go schedule like a, a, a like a Texas or somebody uh, to open the year, Ohio State, whoever. And then, you know, in, in the Big East, you had, you had West Virginia, you had Virginia Tech. They were pretty good. Boston College is still around. Pitt. Um those are pretty decent football schools. I mean, they don't bring a ton to the table, but they bring a lot. So I just uh, – and if you think about it, Miami's been in the ACC since 2005 in the worst division in college football. Okay, there's no – unequivocally, since everybody went to divisions, the ACC Coastal has been the worst division in college football, period. They're in the worst division in college football. They've won it once. And they got smacked in the face by Clemson in 2017 once they got to Charlotte. That was the that was Mark Rick's claim to fame there. And then the next year he was out. So the the ACC has almost dragged Miami down with it. Believe it or not, that sounds crazy. Now I know they have other issues, and we get into all of that. But I just don't. I think we, we we're going on eighteen years now, where everybody's talking about the U is going to rise again, and it never does. Eighteen no, years, the, folks. Yeah, eighteen the, years. Farther away you get away from the turn of the century as weird yeah. as that is to sound, the the less mm-hmm. relevant they become. The athletics department is a freaking mess down there because it's being ghost run by a single donor uh, who is operating as both, you know, the AD and apparently director of player personnel and John Ruiz. And uh, you just, you, nobody wants any of that smoke. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you man, don't, it, I mean, if uh, I were the well, SEC, I'd be like, thanks, but no thanks. And Quantro brings up a point. Miami is a pro sports team or a pro sports city first. 
Absolutely. Um, I would wager that, you know, over half of the U's fan base doesn't live anywhere near Miami. Uh, you can ask Mike Morgan about that. You can ask Mike Morgan about that. He grew up in Palm Beach, and he he has a lot of interesting things to say about Miami fans. Yeah, Quantrill's dead on. Well, and the ballpark isn't even close to campus. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's up where the Dolphins yeah. play. Yeah. I mean, the, the 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 demise of their program really happened when they tore down the Orange Bowl, I think. I think there was yeah. something magical about that place. They did draw really good crowds at the Orange Bowl because they were winning. Uh, I went to a game. I went to the South Carolina Miami game in 1987 at the Orange Bowl uh, with my dad. I was there, um, and it, it, there's something about it. And then slowly but surely, you know, oh, we're going to move over to where the Dolphins play or whatever because they had to build the Marlins Park where the Orange Bowl was. Uh, and I remember their last game at the Orange Bowl, and this is how soft that program has gotten. They played Virginia. We're talking a lot of Virginia today, right? Uh, they played Virginia. Okay, not exactly the toughest team ever. Right, uh, in their in their uh, finale in the Orange Bowl, right where the, all the the ghosts of Michael Irvin and, and Vinny, Vinny Testaverde and Gino Toretta and whoever you want to mention, you know, you know, played there. You know, it's the U. Yeah, and you knew it when you saw it on TV. The palm trees, the open end of the stadium, it was it's so magical about it. They got beat thirty eight to nothing by Virginia at home the last game they played in the Orange Bowl. So you tell me that you tell me that they're like. They the ACC hasn't drugged them down to their level, you know. So, and I, mean, I think that can happen. I think that could happen. Clemson fans say that sometimes. I mean, you know, you got to do some things to differentiate, right? Well, I mean, so but is the is the polar opposite of that? Like, if that's something you believe, I'm not trying to put you on the spot here. I'm just, I'm just asking. Like, if that's something that could be true in this case, is the polar opposite also in play? Like, what if Miami was in the SEC? Would it bring them up a level? Like, do kids – I mean, what what's attractive about playing in the SEC generally, right? It's these fan bases, these communities, these small towns. You're the star of the show, right? You you go to South Carolina, you go to Alabama, you go to any of these schools. It doesn't matter which one it is. Pick pick whichever one, maybe with the exception of Vanderbilt, uh, because it's, it's in Nashville. Although, you know, I mean, Nashville is still a college town. It's a pro town, but it's also kind of a college town. It always has been. There's a ton of Tennessee fans in Nashville and things like that. Um, if you brought Miami into play here, I'm not. I'm just saying this is hypothetical. Is that is that a thin air? Like, what is attractive about playing in Miami versus playing at pretty much any other school in a league like the SEC? I think it raises your – I think you got to get thrown into the water. I mean, uh, you know, somebody said it hadn't worked out for Texas A&M. Well, they, Texas A&M is actually better than they were when they were in the Big 12, believe it or not. I mean, they kind of uh, – they'd win some divisions here and there over there, but it wasn't – you know, they weren't that consistent. I mean, Texas has only won the Big 12 three times in 20 years. I mean, that, that's what that, that's been an Oklahoma league or some or an upstart, like a Baylor or some like Kansas State, somebody like that. Um, I think Missouri, I think their football program is probably not wins and losses wise, but I think they have more good players. I think they have more money coming in. I think their program and that job is probably better than they were had they not been in, in the league um, and joined. So I, I think that, you know, Miami joining the SEC, what that would do would, would be, you know, kind of take away uh, the argument 
to come down there and get all those good players out of Miami, you know, and say, hey, well, you could you can play in the SEC right here at home. But I don't think there's a chance that happens. I'm not even sure Florida State goes to the SEC if they got out of the league. And, the, and I'm not even sure that that's the play. I mean, the, the Big Ten is so focused on being like the national conference, and they've got such a good network TV deal right now. Um, maybe Florida State and Clemson go to the Big Ten. I, I still want to see – uh, road game at Minnesota. <laughs> uh, well, for, why for not, those guys, why not? Okay, but why not the Big Twelve? Because you know that was a what? 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 If you're Clemson, think about that. Hold on, just a second here. You could if step Clemson, in and be the crown jewel. You know, yeah. If you're, if you're, <laughs> if, if you're Clemson, and and they can. I, I mean, I haven't heard anything like this from their administration. By the way, D. Rad is the AD at Miami. In case anybody forgot yeah. about that. Um, but, uh, if you're, if you're Clemson and I'm not, I'm not, you know, this isn't really a shot at him, but I mean, it's, it, this is a fact you, you really want to hop into the sec, get a part of this every year. I mean, with what you've been doing for the last 10, 12 years, like you want to keep that show going. You think just hopping into the league. I mean, I get it. They say it all the time. Well, we've already beat everybody. Yeah. You play them once a year. You get an LSU once a year. You get a, you know, yeah, you've beaten South Carolina a bunch. Okay, they weren't any good while you're beating them every year. You, you draw LSU, you draw Miami, whatever, whoever you want to say, once a year, or and and you were beating them. Try try doing that seven eight times a year, and then having to play them in an SEC title game, and then maybe seeing one of them again in an expanded playoff. So if you're Clemson, you really want you really want part. Florida State's trying to rebuild themselves down there, and they I think they're pretty close. They had a nice year last year. They're they're getting there. You really want any part of that? Or would you rather go? I mean, the Big 12's already expanded in Florida. They got Central Florida. Yeah. <laughs> D- Dabo even said it the other day. He said, he's like, my players look at me like I got three eyes. He's like, you mean we're going to have to go play Georgia and beat them and then go beat Alabama and then go beat Ohio State three straight weeks in the, in the expanded playoff? And uh, it was kind of funny because he kind of told on himself there, you know? Um, <laughs> and, and But but look, we're at such a different time. Texas is a Texas's feeling about being in the SEC uh, my buddy, I got a lot of buddies that are Texas people and number one, they throw the platitudes about academics. I well, we're just, we're not cultural and culture. We're not like them. We're, you know, we're not like those heathen SEC schools or whatever. And then what my buddies finally get down to the pull for the longhorns, the ones that are realistic and, 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 you know, aren't the wine and cheese crowd. They're like, we just straight up don't want any, just to be honest. <laughs> we don't, we don't want any part of that. Well, and that's been their thing for years. They're Texas. They're, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I think they finally, the last three or four years, looked at the beer and goes, you know, this isn't working out. This isn't working out like that. We're not dominating this little tiny league. A&M's going to lap us in revenue. We got to – let's call up Greg Sankey and, and call up Oklahoma and let's get the hell out of here. So uh, so, so what my point of all that is what relates to Clemson is, uh, yeah, that's kind of still the feeling up there. Why would we go beat our heads against the wall and, and do all this in the SEC? Uh, but things do change. And Florida State, the reason they're in the ACC is because they didn't want any. Bobby Bowden's like, no, <laughs> I'm, I don't. I'm not. You know, I don't want to join a league and have to go play Alabama and Auburn and Georgia and and Florida every single year. We play Florida and Miami anyway. You know, we need a little bit of a. You know, the ACC is a perfect league for us. You know, and and but hey, I think it was till what 1993 until they lost an ACC game once they got in. Um, 
and and it's worked out well for them. Well, even even they right now they're they're wanting to get out. And, and Quantrell, I think that's just a projection from the FSU AD. I don't think that's like true. Like I I, I wouldn't like write that in stone about if FSU gets in the SEC, they're all of a sudden third in the league in revenue. They are a great brand, a big time national brand. People it, 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 people confuse sometimes like you know brand with success on the field, right? They still have a big brand. Miami still has a big brand. It's just we're getting kind of – I mean, Florida State won a national title in 2013. I mean, Miami hadn't won but one division in a terrible division since 2005. So, so we're getting further and further away from them being – but, you know, it takes a long time to kill a brand, and Florida State's getting back. So I uh, – you know, I I, I would – I like the Big 12 idea too because, you know, the Big 12 kind of – turn around and smack the Pac-12 and everybody else in the face because their TV deal actually is a little bigger, from what I understand, and a little more flexible than than um, the ACCs that they're locked into. Um, you know, and, and it's a it's a pretty spread out conference. It goes from Provo, Utah to uh, uh, Orlando, Florida. But, you know, you start looking at, well, you got West Virginia in the league and Cincinnati in the league and UCF in the league. If you had it Florida State and Clemson, that makes a pretty decent eastern side. Right, and then you let the other the, the BYU's and Baylor's and Oklahoma States and and Kansas States and Kansas play on the West, and and there you have it. So uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, I think it's a pretty fascinating conversation. Uh, it does seem like, based on the Florida State report and the North Carolina report, there's at least some grumblings about this going on uh, this off season uh, with regards to at least North Carolina and Florida state. I, I know Clemson was very, when, when the USC or the, the Southern Cal UCLA thing happened, they were very interested, right? <laughs> I would say in, in go, going someplace else, but I haven't, I haven't heard anything out of those folks uh, about that in a while. So anyway, I, I guess it's I time know, for a second break. I know you got to go to break. I remember 10, 12 years ago when, when the SEC had expanded, there was conversation then that was actually coming out of Texas uh, that had been mentioned, I think, out of Fort Worth about Clemson and Florida State at the time. Then big reaching 12. out to the Big Twelve, absolutely. So, that that was know. that was the rumor back when Expansion Gate Part One, and I think everybody thought. Remember Texas and Texas A and M were going to join the Pac twelve. Yep. Remember that was reported as done. Wow. Now the Pac twelve is like basically the Mountain West. Yeah. <laughs> Poor we're folks. We're, we're anyway, all right, we'll go. We'll go to break. Get back. Uh, it's the show. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Oh, easy. He's got a tiger by the tail. He has. He better hang on too. People have spoken. Nana's porch was voted the third best food truck or trailer by the Charlotte newspaper public poll. Also, their pimento cheese mm, took third in a contest exclusively for products made in the state of North Carolina. I will let Noah Hall tell you about the rest. Nana's Porch, Southern Cuisine, with an uptown twist. We're well into the new year and the days of being back in the pool and boat are quickly approaching. Many of us don't have the time to hit the gym, but Charleston Fitness Equipment can change that for you. Outfit your home with a treadmill, elliptical, or my favorite, a home rower that allows you to row with the pros all over the world. They have free weights, home gyms, flooring, and much more that makes keeping or getting in shape much more convenient. Located in Mount Pleasant, visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com for more. Get in shape like our Gamecocks. Charleston Fitness Equipment, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks. Top Nation. Do you need a place to stay for the big game? 
Many hotel booking engines keep all the commissions, but at Fan Plans, you support inside the Gamecocks, still earn your hotel loyalty points, and you receive an email with direct confirmation from the hotel. Whether you are visiting Columbia to cheer on Carolina or hitting the road to follow the team, get in the stands with Fan Plans. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Uh, this is Coach O. Now back to the show. Go Tigers in the soul. Welcome back. It is 11.50, hour number one inside the Gamecocks, the show. Powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston. All right, so today is February the 27th. For those that need reminding, February ends on the 28th, except for a leap year. They make it to 29, but there's never a 30. Here's my point. On March the 1st, a couple of painters will draw a winner. And if you have not entered to win your Gamecock room painted garnet and black, or white, by a couple of painters. You need to do it right now. So drop what you're doing. Put your chili cheese hot dog down. Get on Facebook, and you'll see (laughs) – type in a couple of painters. Go to their page. You'll see the link. All you have to do is send them a message with your name, your phone number, and your email. That is not for spam. That is so some of you whom I know don't answer your damn phones – and then never call people back they can also email you and those that don't email back they can call you Uh, so do it right now tell your friend if you want to or your mom or whoever you want to tell but go to the facebook page a couple of painters enter to win and in a couple of days they will draw and we'll announce a winner here on our show you have to be in south carolina or north carolina if you don't win and you need something painted you're you're gonna have to pay them but good news, uh, they're cheaper than everybody else. And if you're getting a little bit of a tax refund, now would be a good time to do that. So a couple of painters on Facebook, LetMePaintSomething.com. They paint our show Garnet and Black every day uh, here on Inside the Gamecocks. What up, Lance? <laughs> Lance Player. Thought I saw in the Lance. house. Latte Lance. Let's see. Latte. What else we got here? We do have Keith Glad things are progressing well with 76's brother. Post Absolutely. Absolutely. Very happy about that, 76. You hang in there, buddy. Yeah. Uh, and I'll, yeah. hey, speaking of loot, uh, well, I don't know that we've talked about any losers so far today, but what about Jeff Castle? Well, I, this guy. I, it, it, it's Kaslin's son, by the way. It's not the it's not the general, but what a jerk. Is yeah, this like so, borderline mental illness at this point? I mean <laughs> Dude, your dad was an abject failure here. I mean, he did some good things and did some not so good things, and uh, you know, uh it, it just uh it just wasn't a fit, man. Uh let it go, bro. I mean, I'm like, he literally was watching the Murdoch trial, and which we've all been doing. And by the way, 
Oh, I got roped I'm just going to say this because I, I don't, I, I don't want to get, I don't want to discuss the trial here on the show, but the Wake Forest Demon Deacon mascot oh. is, is a avatar of Alec Murdoch. <laughs> yeah, you sent me that. I was looking at the, the, it was the creepiest mascot. Get that up, yeah. Phil, because <laughs> it's like, I was looking at like 24 seven sports did the creepiest mascots in, in college uh, sports. And I and no, the tiger, the, the tweaking tiger was not one of them. Um, but uh, I, I was looking through it and I, you know, by the way, Purdue Pete. Yeah. Free, dude, don't ever, don't, I never want to watch Purdue again. That thing is like nuts. It, it would scare me if I was a small child, but, uh, and I'm looking through it. I'm, I see the demon deacon and I'm like, it looks just like Alex Murdo. And I'm like, you know, it's kind of uncanny. Like if, if you were doing a, like a Disney cartoon of, of Murdoch or whatever. And, and that was the, he was the, at the theme park, you know, you'd get, you'd drag the, you go call Wake Forest to get some of those demon Deacon uh, outfits out. But um, anyway, this loser's watching the Murdoch trial and there were some Gamecock, like they were, there's a picture of them at the final four, a picture of them at a basketball game. And yeah, then there was a, unfortunately on the boat, there was a tag with the block C or whatever. <laughs> And this guy goes off about how this family is indicative of the fan base at large and like just throwing the whole dang university under the bus over this stuff. And I'm like, ah, you're pathetic. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, I'll always respect your dad because he served our country, you know, and maybe you did too. I don't know. I haven't looked up who you are, but uh, you're a loser. I mean, you know, anybody that wants to continue to have beef like that really has a mental illness. And I hope Jeff Caslin gets the help he needs. And uh, I think that, you know, if uh, any Gamecocks ever run into him, uh, maybe you should let him know that uh, you're willing to maybe help him a little bit with some um, therapy. <laughs> because that's the type of guy that's going to be missing some teeth if he's around a bunch of Gamecocks and spews this stuff out. We should tag well, Sawyer in a post to him on Twitter that way. Yeah, let him get the, get the, the mental thing. edge, man. You know? Um, yeah. But it's, no, so. it's really a sad situation. I mean, the whole thing. I I hate what happened with his dad. I don't, I don't like – I didn't see all this because I don't follow these people. I, I saw this, like, on a message board, and I just happened to look into it a little bit, and I saw that. I, I think it's all ridiculous. Um, there you go. There's a uh, yeah, pretty. Only only missing a bow tie, but if you could, you know, uh, and a top hat. But yeah, I, I, I look him attacking Carolina. I, quite frankly, I don't really, I don't, I don't really care because like he doesn't really matter. But um. I would also say this, and I know somebody's probably not going to be happy with me saying it, but, like, that's his dad. You know, I lost my dad when I was a little kid. And for the fans that get online and attack his father, look, he wasn't really a good president. He did do some good things that people don't ever yeah, talk about. It, he got him through COVID, things. which yeah. was really hard. Um, and there was some other stuff. The rest of it wasn't good. But he, he did yeah. serve our country in a tremendous way, and I and tip my cap to him and, and thank him for that. And – um don't know him. Sure, he's probably actually a pretty good guy at the end of the day. I, I wouldn't attack somebody else's father. I, I wouldn't want anybody to attack mine. 
But at the same time, you know, this kid is, uh, you know, he, he kind of continues to bring it on himself. And so I don't know. I wish he'd just stop and I wish everybody just stop and go their separate ways. It's over. It doesn't matter anymore. I agree with you. And I, I like I said, I, I got respect for his dad, I, you know, and his dad, obviously I can't do personal attacks, man. Personal I mean, attacks. yeah, but to me that bringing that trial, which everybody knows about, right. Yeah. And, and trying to, paint a broad brush uh, for yeah. a university to me. Oh, that's what I mean. And like that is, that's I a personal that's, attack on everybody here. That's yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like, man, you know, I mean, so, uh, but anyway, he sucks. And I just wanted to mention that also, <laughs> listen, I'm going to tell you this right now. You got JC's cooking tips. There's a reason I did grill master today. All right. So this place we go eat, I like the steak and eggs, love the steak. It's always tender, uh, definitely seasoned to perfection. And finally, I'm like, what's the recipe? You know, got to give it to me. I spent enough money in here. They're like, there's not a recipe. We go to Costco and get it. <laughs> so Nat and I go to Costco yesterday, which, by the way, never go on a, I mean, on a Sunday. That's an adventure in and of itself, right? But it's called Arachera Steak. And it's in kind of like, a, it, it looks almost like a thing of ribs, but it's not. It's like a tenderloin looking thing. And you cut it in half and she cut it in half. We threw that on the grill last night. Unbelievable. Only $7.99 a pound. So get, 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 wow. get, if you go to, if you brave Costco and it's grilling weather, which I know for many of you it is now, do the Arachera steak, A R R A C H E R A. Hmm. I just wanted to make Arachera so, steak. So, there you go. There's, by the way, yeah. uh, there's never a good time to actually go to Costco ever. Like, there's never a good time to go to Costco. No, I don't think Ever. so either. <laughs> like, there's never a good. I've never driven by. It doesn't matter when. If the door, if the if they're open, the parking lot is full. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. Monday morning. I'd rather get. Friday night. I'd rather beat myself in the face with a bag of hammers, man. I just. Uh, I, I, and I got so, like, my stress level went from, like, none it was a nice day. We we had actually gone to this place called Menards, which is a like Home Depot, which also bothers me. And I was fine walking out of Menards, you know. And then we we're like, let's go to Costco. And I'm like, that steak is good. I'll I'll go brave it this one time. And Lord have mercy. Oh God, the stress level went up. So anyway, we are now. Interesting. Up I think uh, the 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 one here at Greenfield probably has the highest concentration of vehicles in town at any given moment <laughs> there's like 15 little t's on the back of cars and stuff I'm like wow craig, I think it's a, observation do I? craig i think it's a flank steak i'm not sure though flank steak <laughs> i'll ask i'll ask the, the lady she'll know well, yes Gamecocks i did say big money at menards gamecocks play at one on saturday so maybe that'll be a post-game celebratory meal as they celebrate in Greenville. We'll see. We'll see. Mm. All right, we got Keith coming up. We haven't gotten into the women's stuff yet. Carolina clinches the SEC again this weekend with a win over Georgia. They are on and heavy favorites to win not only the SEC tourney title with the national championships. We'll talk to him about that as well as the men. And, guys, you won't believe what rivalry was considered by Baseball America just two years ago to be better than Clemson and South Carolina in college baseball. Teddy Cahill, yeah, he needs some work if he's going to be a baseball writer. That's for sure. So we'll uh, we'll get to that. There's no doubt. Everybody, hang tight. Hour one is in the books. Right back.
Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. The home of Oventon, Velotric, Magnum Bikes, and more, they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Their electric bikes are equipped with five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle so you can ride longer, handle the heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available for all ages and sizes. Visit electricbikescharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant if you're in the Lowcountry. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. The real estate market has changed dramatically from just a year ago. Rates, supply, demand, all of your traditional factors are in a transition phase. That's why if you or someone you know are considering making a move in the low country, contact me, JB, at Coast to Coast Realty. I work with an outstanding support cast of attorneys, lenders, inspectors, insurance agents, and more, all of whom are valuable in helping find a way for you to comfortably make your real estate decision. That's right. Call me, JB, your Lowcountry real estate broadcaster. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter, at Mayor Taylor, and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. You're tuned into Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Sideline it picked off. Brad Edwards will get a convoy. Touchdown, South Carolina. Chickens got to raise the Spurs, Spurs, Spurs. You ain't just a bird, bird, bird. You're top of the coop, star of the show. You're a rooster who was born to crow. Well, I bet you wonder when, when you win or lost a step or two. Fell down the pecking order. Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show, everybody. The show is presented to you by Express Sunrooms of Columbia. Give John and his team a call or shoot him an email, 803-446-4662, John B at expresssunrooms.com to talk about potentially closing up a patio or porch for you so you can enjoy the summertime bug-free. And, of course, we are joined now on the McKellar Enterprises guest line, as we are every Monday, by none other than Keith Alsup of Gamecock Pod Daily. And, of course, catch him live on Wednesdays after our show on Gamecock Pod Live. Welcome in, Keith. How you doing? Hey, guys. Happy Monday. I guess Happy it was uh, all in all a great uh, Gamecock weekend uh, and certainly a great day for Rick Barnes on Saturday. <laughs> I think they just need yeah. to, you know, the next time he comes to Columbia, they just need to give him a rocking chair and hope uh, he hangs it up. I think that's like that 11 straight. Well, they and, are. Uh, and, and another yeah. 40 piece. Yeah, it, I think they've beaten Carolina by about 100 total points. But before we get into that, let me let me get something across here real quick, guys. This was, uh, was uh, just in my inbox four minutes ago from the University of South Carolina. A big game cop weekend will return this year. Uh, the Garnet Black Spring game will be back, back underneath the lights of Williams Bryce Stadium at 7 o'clock on Saturday, April the 15th. It will also be preceded by the Cocky Trot 5K and Fun Run. And Patrick Davis and his Midnight Choir will return to Gamecock Village along with his wife, Lauren Jenkins, Jesse Isley, Blake Weinbach, 
And none other than the great Baldy himself, Michael Haney, uh, will, will join PD outside of Williams Price. So looking forward to that. The softball team will also welcome Texas A&M to Carolina's uh, softball stadium that weekend at Beckham Field. Uh, the uh, beach volleyball team will host four matches. If you haven't watched them, I would suggest doing that for many reasons. And uh, and more details will be released in the coming weeks for Big Game Cup weekend. But once again, the uh, spring game will be underneath the light of Williams Price Stadium. I just want to make sure we pass that along. Everybody. Sorry about that, Keith. Go ahead, man. Well, yeah. Uh, for those that the mic, you had a little, we had a little mic there. So yeah, mm-hmm. the, basically the spring like games of seven. You like, uh, yeah, you game you up, yeah, you got the speedy Gonzalez issue. Have you ever listened to the Colin Cowherd podcast when he does the uh, fan duel? thing and he has to give all the disclaimers they do it like at the four, end yeah. four times the speed <laughs> i hear that when i'm on 107.5 with with bill like they have mm-hmm. a commercial that has that yeah. extra fast so anyway that's Let's good mind of the old micro machine commercials that's going to be a lot of fun, April fifteenth. So be sure you get out there. By the way, the the cut of the steak is skirt steak. Uh, both Nat and Jan oh. remind me of that, uh, and Jan said that's why I like it. <laughs> uh, so that's it. And again, it's Aratera at Costco. Uh, I'm just going to pick because it's delicious. Um, but yeah, so Keith, another SEC championship for Dawn Staley and her program, and uh, closing it out the right way against Georgia this weekend, and. And it's March Madness. It's tourney time on the women's side. Well, JC, we think about it, and it's another championship, and it's kind of mundane, but it really wasn't because they had to win every single game to claim sole possession of that championship. Even though they boat raced LSU, if they would have lost that game, LSU would have still gotten a trophy as co-regular season champions mm-hmm. uh, but this was a first of all the great teams Don Staley has had never had a team finish the regular season undefeated and so just another first for the freshies freshies forever I don't know if you guys watch the videos or if any of the listeners uh, each one of the seniors had about a minute or to a minute and a half video clip of them reading their thought uh, thoughts uh, on their time together at South Carolina. Obviously a very emotional senior day. I mean, I've been through it as a coach and I've seen it, you know, when it's that emotional, you're just re- you just don't know what you're going to get. It's kind of like a box of chocolates to quote Forrest Gump on senior day, because emotions really can impact the start of the game. I thought Georgia got off to a great start in the game, but I thought Aaliyah Boston was just not going to be denied 25 points. She had 11 points in the first quarter. She demanded the basketball that's why she's the national player of the year in spite of Caitlin Clark hitting that big shot yesterday. I mean, Caitlin Clark acted like that's the first time she had ever done anything like that. I mean, man, she, Caitlin Clark loves her some Caitlin Clark. I can tell you that. I mean, 
I don't know. When Asia Wilson won the national championship, they danced with the pep band. When Aaliyah Boston won the national championship, she had tears of joy and celebrated with her teammates. Caitlin Clark ran all over posing like she was uh, a model for the cover of a magazine. And so I don't know, maybe they're going to give it to her, but the best player in the country resides in Columbia, South Carolina and everybody that really uh, gives a damn about women's college basketball or knows the sport understands that. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, completely Caitlin Clark. <laughs> I don't know what the hype is about there. Uh, just to be honest, but uh so now, um, Keith, the Gamecocks don't have to leave the state of South Carolina uh, until when? Until the final four? Am I correct in that? Yeah. Yeah. Greenville and yeah, mm -hmm. then back to Columbia, then back to Greenville, right? Yep. So beginning on Friday, they'll play their first game. Uh, obviously, now it's survive in advance for trophies. Uh, you got to win three games to cut down the nets uh, at the bond, at the well, I guess, for the SEC championship. Then they'll go back home where uh, the Freshies will play their final two home games. And then they'll go back to Greenville for two games. And if they cut down the nets again, as the Greenville won regional champions, then they'll get on a chartered flight and go to Dallas, uh, the site of the first national championship for Dawn Staley. They'll play in American Airlines Arena, uh, home of the Dallas Mavericks, Luka Doncic, and the weirdest dude maybe to ever play in the NBA, Kyrie Irving. It thinks the world is flat. So, South Carolina will play at noon on Friday. They will get the winner of game three, which will play at noon on um, Thursday, which is Arkansas and um, Missouri. Of course, Gamecocks took care of business against those teams, as Keith just mentioned. Actually, they took care of business against, well, every team they played this season. So if they – if they win that game, guys, uh, then they will play at 4.30 on Saturday, um, which will be we'll, – we'll figure out who that is when – Ole Miss and somebody. Probably um, Ole Miss. They are the four seed. You know, if, if they – if it's chalk, it'll be Ole Miss. And the other semifinal should be LSU and Tennessee. And I think – you know, Vol Nation will travel big to Greenville. I mean, they have a historic oh, yeah. fan base. They travel big. It's a, what, three-hour drive? Yeah. And yeah, I'm right sure that they, they feel like they, they can make it to that championship game. I mean, I think it's a joke. They haven't been ranked. They lost some games at the beginning of the season. They lost Tamari Key probably the second-best post player in the SEC to an injury early in the season. They had several transfers. They also played a very uh, challenging 
non-conference schedule, unlike Kim Mulkey, who had the Acme School of Typewriter Maintenance 12 times. And so they lost some games early. But when you watch Tennessee play, even in that South Carolina game, when South Carolina went on that massive run that was like 35 to 7 after it was 26 to 16, I mean, Tennessee has players and not everybody guards like South Carolina guards. And so I think to me, the most intriguing game prior to the championship game will be, you know, again, if chalk prevails, will be that semifinal game between Tennessee and LSU. And then, of course, if it's South Carolina, LSU, I think it's going to be a much closer game because as much grief as I give Kim Mulkey, I do believe she is a great coach. She is a great tactician. And she will th- she will have something special or two or three things different uh, this time than the first time because of what she saw up close and personal in that eighty eight to sixty four beatdown. Let me squeeze a couple little nuggets in here for those that may have missed this. The college game day program will air from Greenville. Uh, for the SEC title game on Sunday. So that will certainly be neat. By the way, I, I'll let ta- I'll let Keith take it and run with it if he wants to do it. I, I'm just going to just kind of plug it in here. You got coming up this weekend in men's basketball. I'm not changing the subject, Keith. I'm just – this is just purely a side note here with, with college game day. You got seventh-ranked Arizona – at fourth-ranked UCLA. You got third-ranked Kansas at eighth-ranked Texas. You got second-ranked Alabama at 25th-ranked Texas A&M, although they're probably out of it now because they got upset this weekend by Mississippi State. And then you got uh, Iowa State and Baylor. I'm saying all that to say this. College game day is going to Duke and North Carolina because it's Duke and North Carolina, not because it's one of the best four or five or even maybe ten games in the country this weekend. And I, I, I just – I'm tired of it. You know, if there are top ten, top 15 teams – and I get the prestige of Duke and North Carolina. I understand it. You know, but I, I – don't these other guys I – mean, doesn't Arizona and UCLA have some prestige or did I miss that somewhere? Or is it just too early to get up out there that in the morning? Um. <laughs> so, JB, I think it's because, you know, of the allure of the history of the rivalry, right? Oh, like I, it was yeah. voted on ESPN as the number one rivalry in college sports, which I totally don't agree with necessarily. Um, plus now, look. Mike Krzyzewski is not walking through that door. Dean Smith and Roy Williams is not walking through that door. And most of the dudes that were on those teams last year are riding the pine in the NBA, except for Pablo uh, Boncaro, who was the number one pick for the Orlando Magic, who has been unbelievable. And – That's the thing about men's basketball. 
I know they got the big contract and they show up and they publicize the games. But in my opinion, until they do something about the one and done in men's uh, college basketball, it is going to be essentially a niche sport that is three weeks in March into the first weekend in April. That's it. The regular season is meaningless because there really are no rivalries. All the players hug it out. You know, you don't see, you know, guys walking away. A guy gets knocked down for Duke. Three guys from North Carolina put their hands out to help him up and vice versa. That's not what I grew up with. That's not what Phil grew up with. That's not what we grew up with. Okay. And by the way, Rest in peace, Terry Holland, uh, an ACC legend. I still remember like that. Maybe it was a five or six overtime game, uh, Virginia, in the ACC tournament one year. And then, of course, he coached the great Ralph Sampson. I mean, probably before a lot of guys listening to, you know, their time. But I still remember, man that Jefferson Pilot game of the week with Jim Thacker and Billy Packer. That, that was the big deal on Saturday afternoon, and you just did not miss it. And there were rivalries because guys stayed for four years, for three at least three years. They hated each other. They elbowed each other. It got chippy. There were fights. Hell, I can even remember back to Chris Collins – running off at the mouth at Matt Doherty and Matt Doherty almost punched him. And quite frankly, he would have probably deserved it. Let me ask you this real quick about the, uh, about the women and then do want to hit on the men uh, br- briefly, if we can just get your thoughts on something there. But uh, I'll, although there's still so much to be played, you got to get through conference tournaments uh, no matter what happens to Carolina, they're going to be the top seed in the tournament. Um, but what would be looking down the ro- the the road here a month a month out, basically? What would be the best championship game for women's college basketball? South Carolina and whom? I mean, probably Stanford would be the game everybody would love to see. Man, I'm just telling you, I, I, you know, Caitlin Clark, and they couldn't even get out of the second round last year. At home. In the Hawkeye Arena. Mm -hmm. But they're really good. They're good. I, I I don't think on a neutral court they're as good as Indiana. I do think right now Indiana is the second best team in the country, but I do think the two teams with the best rosters in the sport with Paige Beckers out is South Carolina and Stanford. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Does Beggars get another I, year after this year? 
Because I'm tired of hearing Paige Becker's out. We heard that at the end of last year. Heard it all this year. Paige Becker's out. Dude, Paige I put Becker's that out. on Gino. He brought uh, yeah, her back I mean, too soon. <laughs> I mean, you. I know she wanted to come back. She's the ultimate competitor. But I mean, guys, you got to remember that first injury that she had. Okay, last season. They were up like 17 points with a minute and change to go, and she was on the floor because he's only playing six players. It wouldn't matter if he had South Carolina's roster. He'd still be playing six or seven players tops. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I I don't – I mean – I guess it could happen. I, I don't think that the uh, Gamecock men's team will make it to the national championship this year. Um, if they do, though, it's going to start in the uh, very first round of the tournament uh, next Wednesday, which we'll talk to you before then, of course. Carolina still has a couple of games to play. Right now, Keith, they're the 13 seed. I don't think that can really change uh, a whole lot going forward unless they're the, they could be the 12 C, but they're not going to get any higher than that. They can't go higher than that um, because there's not enough games left to win. And if there were, they wouldn't win them anyways. Uh, so, uh, however, here's the problem though, for those, no, they and, wouldn't. And, and outside of the, t- the game that just happened this weekend, that was a mirror image of what had already happened against Tennessee. They've lost to them by a combined 83 points this year. That is just hard to even stomach. Um, let's say Carolina does get hot the way that it sets up right now. They're going to run into Tennessee in the third game. So that's where the road would end for them. Uh, <laughs> what we're going to hope here is that the Vols maybe can, you know, find their way back on the five, uh, the, uh, the six line or something like that. Like they have to lose a lot. Cause if Tennessee's a four or five seed, Carolina's going to see them and it's going to end. But I guess my question is what, has interested you with this team over the last week plus knowing that the the season is winding down and then you're going to get into tournament play um, that maybe would give you some some hope that they might be able to go to Nashville and just turn it on a little bit there is no hope well I mean the development Jamie is what I suspected after Arkansas and or Georgia and Arkansas is Lamont Paris is the worst late game coach in the Southeastern Conference and perhaps in the NCAA because his players played their ass off against the number two team in the country on national television and he took three timeouts into overtime. Not one freaking time did they change defense. Not outside of one time did they sub offense for defense situation. And not one time did they change defense down the stretch. They let Brandon Miller get downhill on ball screens. They didn't trap him. They didn't go to a zone. They didn't come out and say, hey, let's show this. And then as soon as they pass it to the wing, let's trap and let's see what happens. Or let's just say, 
I'll be damned if I'm letting a guy that's lit me up for a career high at the end of regulation and at the end of overtime, am I going to let him beat me? I'm going to make him get rid of the ball. And guess what? If somebody else, they swing it two times and another guy hits a jump shot at the buzzer to beat us, tip of the hat. But Lamont Paris was insane because the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And he didn't do a damn thing different at the end of regulation or at the end of overtime because Brandon Miller got right to the rim for layups. I'm sorry. I'm knocking that guy on his freaking ass and making him make free throws if I have to. I'm trapping him. I'm sticking one guy all over him. Hell, I might just put two guys all over him and play a triangle. How about the play at the end of regulation? Uh, Carolina's final shot, Gigi Jackson threw it up there. I think it was an air ball, and then they went to OT. If I remember correctly, you said they had three timeouts left there. They had three. Okay, I knew I knew they had at least one. I I I was a little unsure of why that ball. If you're going to have to fire one up from half court, there's a there's a guy in your team who just shoots out there all the time and he makes them. Why is he not the guy taking that shot? Or why I mean, would you he, not throw he it did in there? Take it in ball? overtime and it almost went in. I know, I know, like, or what? why at the end of regulation there, if you have that many timeouts, would you not get it to half court and call timeout with a couple of seconds to go and then design a play to get it to your best three-point shooter? I, well, I, I just the same really thing they did that. against Arkansas. They wouldn't do it. And yeah, then, and then after it was too late, then they did do it. They threw it up to Josh Gray, and he jumped up and caught it because he was the biggest, most athletic dude on the floor. But he had to shoot. Yeah. I had a. I had. I mean, I it's mind-boggling to me. I mean, when I was the JV coach at Greenville High School, and Jeff Kraft was the JV coach at JL Man. Man, we had some battles, and you know what? We both, in 1992 and 93, knew more about end-of-game situations and time and score than Lamont Paris does. And this dude's making two and a half million dollars a year. And he just stands there and claps. That's like the dude at Vanderbilt. Guys, either when the game is on the line and you call, he don't even call timeout. When the game is on the line, guys that can coach, they get in there and they draw up plays and they get it done. Guys that can't, they stand there with their hands in their pocket or they just clap. Well, it's almost over. Uh, they, they only had <laughs> three more games before. Look, his, his only Thank chance, hard. okay, like I will say this. I have seen Jacoby Wright get better, okay? Michi Johnson's really playing for the first time a full season since his sophomore year in high school. His junior year he got injured, and then he, he skipped his senior year and enrolled at Ohio State. This is the first time he's played a full season 
of basketball since he was a sophomore in high school. Okay, Hayden Brown, he, he gives you everything he's got. He's just – he was at the Citadel for a reason, okay? He's a six-foot-four power forward. Lamont Paris has got to get guys that can play in the portal. And quite frankly, he needs to hope and pray Gigi Jackson comes back because – I think if G.G. Jackson could come back, move to the power forward where he's a stretch four, where he could take advantage of mismatches, because he's not a small forward. He's, he ain't, okay? But he is gifted for a stretch four, a guy that at the top of the key against a bigger not his athletic defender, could take off the dribble or if the guy backs off, he could shoot it. But he's being guarded every game by the best athletes in the Southeastern Conference. And it shows with his field goal percentage. I don't think he's coming back. But for me, Lamont Paris – better finish in the top half of the league next year because if he don't, I think that experiment will be over. And that's going to mean transfer portal and continued player development. I do like Hank and Sanford. I do like Zach Davis. I think those guys have a chance long-term. Josh Gray battles. He gives you everything he's got. I still don't think he's a fit for what Paris wants to do, but I do think there's a place for him because he's just a monster, okay? But they need a 6'7 six, guy, 6'6", six, six, that can play the three, that can score at all three levels. They need at least one bigger guard, and they need a guy that is an ideal fit at the five for what Lamont Paris likes to do, which is pick and pop, uh, and a guy that's much more active, kind of like an Al Horford kind of guy. That's the kind of guy Lamont Paris wants in his system. Well, I hope they get a bunch but of his, he, he needs to go to clinics because he is the worst end-of-game coach I have ever seen at the University of South Carolina – and that includes Steve Fig Newton. Okay. The fig. And, Dar and Darren Horn, by the way, who was a clapper just like Drew at Vanderbilt, could still come up with better stuff at the end of games and understand time and score, offense for defense, situations, substitutions, etc. This guy understands. None of that. Zero. Lamont, if you're listening, go to a freaking clinic. Okay? Learn how to coach at the end of close games. The good All news right. is South Carolina, the baseball team, softball team, and women's basketball team are a combined 51 and 1. And that is how we will wrap up our segment here with – So, hey, i got to say this. For Gamecock baseball, wasn't it great to see them – win in different ways this oh, weekend, question. right? Like 
it's been just a power surge, right? Like double-digit runs every game. They come in, they got to battle, they got to scrape it out, seven to four. Then the second game is a pitcher's duel, one to nothing. And then you come from behind in the in the bottom of the eighth inning and hit back-to-back home runs. And then you just get three outs and you, you win the game. I mean mm-hmm. – Great, great job by Gamecock Baseball. It was a good weekend up there. There's no doubt. That Penn team is fun to watch. They're going to win a lot of games this year. Uh, there's no question about that. All right. All right. Thanks, Keith. Be good, man. Hell of a segment. All right, you guys have a great week. Lamont, right, brother, get some help. Hire somebody if you have to. <laughs> All right, Thanks, kiddos, we got to get the break. <laughs> Keith from Gamecock Pod Live. Uh, we got to hit a break. We'll be back. This is the show inside the Gamecocks. Rolling on after Just this. as you're. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS 2229 LONMLS 1772182. Hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. You know what, Phil? Let's ask Stone Blanton. Hey JC and Phil, if you want a solution to your IT problems, give Heritage Digital a call. Our boy Matt Odom has a low-cost, one-price solution that will get you running right. Call 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com and ask for Matt. He will hook you up today and tell them Stone City. This is Fresh and All-American, Nicky Memorial of the Carolina Gamecocks, and you are listening to The Show with JC and Phil.
Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show, everybody, presented to you by Express Sunrooms of Columbia, 803-446-4662 is how to get in touch with John Barber and his team down there to talk about how they can get some more sunshine into your life. And JB, why don't you remind everybody how it is we keep things rolling here, powered and charged. Yeah, painted. Uh, don't forget painted. That's yeah, right. dude. Well, it, hopefully everybody is, uh, has re- registered their their themselves their room for right. a couple of painters giveaway coming up in, t- in two free days. game cock free game cock I mean, room guys come dude, on it's, come on just man. get like, on facebook and do it come on yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know if you hate to paint like i do it's it's free i mean they're gonna, yeah. they're gonna paint it garnet it's gonna look good you hang up all your your photos and it's also beautiful outside the high today in charleston is 80 degrees and if you want to hate you Get cruising around, then you need to cruise over to Electric Bikes of Charleston. ElectricBikesCharleston.com. They power our program. They should pretty much power your spring and summer and fall because those are great times to be out getting exercise if you've maybe packed on a few pounds. The misconception with these things, which I have learned, is people think that um, it's, it's just a lazy man's bike. It's actually the exact opposite of that. It actually makes you want to ride more because you can go anywhere and you can get home. Uh, it's not one of those things where like, man, I don't think I'm going to get out of the neighborhood because I don't really feel like riding that long. No, you just ride till you ride. And whenever you need to go home, you can kick it into pedal assist if you need to. And you'll get right back there between 350 and 750 watts in their electric motors. They are very, very, very powerful lithium high performance batteries. Uh, you just recharge them from a wall, your standard wall outlet. So make sure you head to Electric Bikes of Charleston in Mount Pleasant. If you're anywhere else in the state, go to the website, electricbikescharleston.com. They will sell everywhere in the state. They do. Many of you probably already know that because I know many of you have already contacted them. Like somebody sent me a message the other day saying they had called over and they're coming to town soon and they're going to stop in and, and see what they look like. So appreciate that. And we appreciate Michelle. Over at uh, Electric Bikes in Charleston. All right, so coming up this Saunders. weekend, you've got it. the um, what's that? Saunders yeah. didn't check their store hours. <laughs> I was just reading oh, that. Yeah, they no. showed up on Sunday. Yeah, at Saunders, man. <laughs> oh man, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Just yeah. Well, shoot. I wish you would have let me know. I probably could have had Michelle run up there or something. She didn't have a wasted trip, but that's fine. Uh, get over there this Saturday. Remember, Carolina and Clemson play at one on Saturday, so uh, so don't miss the game. You better go early, or um, or or go, I guess, later. So, Clemson, as you y'all mentioned earlier, swept this weekend by Central Florida. Carolina, of course, sweeps Penn. This is one of the two best rivalries in college baseball. I say that every single year because I think that Ole Miss and Mississippi State are right there neck and neck with the Gamecocks. And, um, but Teddy Cahill, who writes for Baseball America, two years ago did a column ranking the 25 best rivalries in college baseball. And somehow, on top of putting Mississippi and Mississippi State at one, which I'm okay with that, he really thought that Cal State Fullerton and Long Beach State was number two I, ahead I, I of was gonna, South I was Carolina and Clemson. Thinking Ted. Cal State Fullerton, he did not put that above <laughs> Teddy. Well, I mean, I get it. 
proximity. Those are right? two like commuter schools, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, they don't. Yeah. That's all yeah, they, they got. Fed, they fed about five hundred people in the ballpark. Right. <laughs> they, an entire state like, shut down for this rivalry here. It's like does, Wrigley. Does, any, does, does anybody else in California know that those two teams are ever playing when they play? I'll bet you they don't. No, right? The whole state knows when Clemson and Carolina play in college baseball. You can't. This this game has been sold out for months. Uh, it's that's that's pathetic. I mean, let's be honest, right? If uh, and I would say that if Teddy was here, I'd say Teddy is pathetic. I mean, come on. You've been to this this rivalry. It's as good as any out there. And um, this weekend, hopefully, hopefully it's not that good of a rivalry. Hopefully it's a blowout. But when it comes to how, – how do you rank – how would y'all rank – like what do you use to rank a rivalry? I look for a mix. Like – like, and, I, and I, always, I also probably a lot like Teddy Cahill. Like when I did national stuff, right uh, – all of college football and I was doing a ranking like that. I would, I would, I would look for different types of rivalries, um, you know, and, and probably focus on some underrated ones like Ole Miss and Mississippi state, because those two schools and, and you know, we talk about this on JC Morgan a lot. You know, that's, that's really what they've got. I mean, and, and this is no offense to Mississippi state and, uh, and, and our good friend, Brandon Walker and Ole Miss and the rebels and, and those schools, but the, you know, old Mississippi State's been to one SEC championship game. Ole Miss has never been. It's been a while since either was like, um, you know, uh, at the end of the year in the mix. I know a few years ago they were both ranked in the playoff poll and all that. But their focus, uh, both schools, is to beat each other. I mean, it's and it's a it's a smaller state. You're either a rebel or a bulldog, just like uh, every other state around the South uh, that has two major schools, and it's it gets pretty chippy. I mean, it's uh, there's a lot that I mean, there's legendary games in the Egg Bowl. That's why I'm glad it's on Thanksgiving now because I think I think it gives that rivalry a special place. But then, you know, I'm also going to rank Ohio State, Michigan in there. Uh, one year I ranked a uh, Georgia, Alabama as like a Cold War rivalry because they don't play annually, but they're certainly recruiting against each other all the time. And when they do play uh, a, a bunch is on the line and, and historically they used to play, you know, uh, before the sec expanded or whatnot. But uh, I look for different things. You know, uh, a lot of people don't realize like the rivalry that from the Texas tech end of things that they have, what, like they consider a and uh, one of their rivals, a and probably does not, but uh, you know, th- those kind of one side of things, that's what kind of gets it dropped down for me is if, you know, it's a one-way relationship, right, <laughs> in terms of dislike. But, um, right. you know, I, I, I would never rank Long Beach State and Fullerton State over Clemson and South Carolina as far as college baseball rivalries go. I, I think with no. Mississippi State and Ole Miss winning the last two national titles, tip your hat to them for doing it. And, uh, hey, yeah, maybe they're number one for right now. Look, it's been a while since either one uh, of the teams in the Palmetto State have been, you know, top five type type teams and then and you know it's been a while so i get it but uh certainly um you know i i think there's all kinds of different criteria in, in which you could you know uh, rank rivalries so to speak uh, and, and I, like i said i'm just looking at it from a football standpoint because that's that's kind of what i used to do yeah and i typically look at it i go you know in state first similar to you know the mississippi state old miss you know clemson carolina then you look at border state rivalries again, like JC mentioned, Michigan, Ohio State. Um, 
I don't know. I like to take the historical aspect of it too. I think that's one of the things that makes the Clemson Carolina rivalry interesting is just the founding of Clemson and it's, you know, position in our state's history as opposed to, or, you know, as, you know, put up against the way the University of South Carolina was founded and how all that split off. Anyway, yeah, I mean, we we have a really colorful (laughs) history history in our state. You know, you can learn a lot about history in in our state. But uh, because it's it's like it's kind of a dichotomy of the, you know, the two separate, you know, almost political leanings and factions here in the in South Carolina and has been, you know, ever since its founding. But anyway, uh, beyond that, I think you got to it can't go just one way as much as, uh, you know, some people here in the upcountry think that, you know, the football rivalry had turned to go just one way uh, here recently. It's, it's, it's not just the results on the field. It's, you know, being able to occupy rent-free space in your heads. <laughs> that's still, that's what maintained the rivalry, even when, you know, in, in both schools, most down years, because you're always thinking of the other one at the end of the year. Well, I yeah. think, I think when you rank, rivalries especially in baseball you you have the fan base aspect which is it a baseball fan base or not you know because there are some schools that are that are football schools but they're also baseball schools and then there are some and and then there are some schools that are football and baseball schools but they're not basketball schools that happens to kind of be where carolina has fallen in well why is that well because there's no prestige when it comes to men's basketball so if you have the fan base and then you have the prestige, both historical and current, that bumps your rivalry up. And so, but one of the things that's always going to, you're always going to have two of the three in the Clemson Carolina baseball series. You're always going to have the hatred and you're always going to have historical prestige. Even when you have down years with a program or both programs, in the rivalry, you will always be able to hang your hat on the fact that they're very successful baseball programs, and you'll always be able to hang your hat on the fact that South Carolina has kicked their ass in the postseason multiple times, and I look forward to the day that they get to do that again. As I say that with a smile here. With that, with all of that said, though, like there are some rivalries that are forgotten about. Like North Carolina and North Carolina State is a very good baseball rivalry. North Carolina is a mm-hmm. good baseball school. NC State is a rowdy baseball school. And then I'll tell you another one that's emerged, but it's not a historical college baseball rivalry because historically one of them used to be awful. And then the other one until recently used to be awful is Tennessee and Vanderbilt. That that has rebuilt itself, okay, because they're good. But if they were bad, you can't guarantee that the stands would be packed. Here, Clemson, South Carolina, if they're struggling, you still can't get a ticket because they've always been good for so long, and there's been a lot of great moments in the series. Oh, I was looking I love- for tickets to the game here in Greenville, and, I mean, I'm having to get secondary market tickets for $100-plus a seat. And I'm like, what? Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah. Love, I love the format too. Like, I, I, I love it when it's at Floor Field. Um, I wish it would rotate down to Charleston, maybe. Uh, oh, it, I, it has. I, oh, yeah. I didn't mm-hmm. think I would really love it uh, with two games in Columbia at the at the other ballpark. But you know, Columbia's a big city, and there are Clemson people, especially in Lexington County. So, um, 
you know, it, it kind of is a neutral site deal even there. And uh, so I like, uh, you know, I like, um, I like the format. I like the neutral game and the one at either, either site. And certainly that, that setup in Greenville is pretty nice. I mean, I, I mean, Phil well, it's, it's the knows I used to, I used to live right near there. I could walk to the game, you know, and, yeah. uh, and all that. And uh, what's that motor, uh, what's that bar across the street, Phil? Is it oh, still there? Well, is it, I guess it's motor, still there. What is it? Max Speed uh, Shop. Max Speed Shop. Yeah. A lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of PBR there. Uh, good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I like it. I think it's great. Uh, by the way, Ryan, um, uh, he said, how close are women's basketball and baseball to be in revenue sports? Baseball um, is baseball. Sometimes will get close to break it even. Now, yeah. women's basketball, unfortunately, just because not there's not, it's not close. It loses probably more money than any other sport on campus. But that's the way it is for most women's basketball uh, programs. By the yeah, way, actually, we got to hit a. There's actually been a couple of years where baseball has been in the black, uh, and they're, they're they're if they have a good year, they can do it. Uh, it it's it's just it's close, but yeah. I'm with JC on the rest of that. Enough said. All right, let's hit a final break. We'll be right back to wrap it up. Monday edition of the show. Shoot. All right, my man. I want you to take me to Disney World. Calm down, calm down. JC is here. As y'all know, folks, the family and I have visited Disney World many times, but it can be overwhelming, especially if it's your first time going to the most magical place on Earth. I highly recommend wherethisroadleads.com and my friend Cherie, a certified Disney vacation planner. That's right. The mouse has given her permission to book your family vacation hassle-free. You don't know where to go, don't know where to stay, don't know where to eat, don't know what to do. It can be overwhelming. So get on wherethisroadleads.com and schedule your free consultation right now. She can help you out. The prices are very reasonable. You don't pay any extra fees. Uh, In fact, she's much more reasonable maybe than booking it straight through Disney. So for your next Disney vacation, or, you know, more likely your first, so you don't panic, go to wherethisroadleads.com and talk to Cherie, certified Disney vacation planner, a partner of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. The home of Aventon, Velotric, Magnum Bikes, and more. They sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Their electric bikes are equipped with five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle so you can ride longer, handle the heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available for all ages and sizes. Visit electricbikescharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant if you're in the low country. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey, Mo Cabo here from Carolina Gamecocks. You're listening to Inside the Gamecocks, the show with JC and Phil. Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show, everybody. Presented to you by Express Sunrooms in Columbia. Give them a call to get some sunshine in your life, 803-446-4662. Don't forget our friends at A Couple of Painters. We are in the final 48 hours of you to be able to register on their Facebook page to get a free Gamecock room painted in your home. Special thanks, of course, to Sinorama, Cindy Searfoss, all of our sponsors. Reach out to them, anything you need. 
And we would be very well, no, grateful so for that. And so would be. Final, you know, well, break here. We'll get you, them all in. And don't forget Meredith Mc, uh, Taylor. I was about to say, <laughs> it's Meredith Taylor. Of all of our partners, I, I spent a lot of time with Meredith this weekend, as a matter of fact, in Columbia. And uh, it was great to see her. She's always so sweet. And um, she's a big baseball fan. Matter of fact, her nephew went down there yesterday and Wingo gave him a ball. So that was uh, nice. That was, she sent me a nice. picture of that. So it was, that was, um, that was pretty cool. Um, oh, and I had an so, idea so for that, a uh, trivia question to give away that uh, gift certificate. The McKellar Enterprises beanie? Or are we giving away a hat today? You know what? I think it's more fitting for the uh, beanie, but we'll talk about it here. Uh, I'll, I'll, yeah, we'll, we'll work. Yeah. Well, and I, I still don't know the answer of it myself. So. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll like, so but, yeah, yeah, stay tuned that. tomorrow. Hold that. Yeah. Hold that. Stay tuned tomorrow. We, we got the McKellar, and you'll get this. Yeah. And also... Brand new assorted stickers, including new show stickers uh, and the legit ones that uh, Jamie had, the, the, the glossy ones. And uh, maybe yeah, maybe, nice. a uh, maybe a Carolina Rise koozie or something. Who knows? Uh, you yeah. get a nice prize pack. Though. A good yeah. old school prize a, package. <laughs> I think uh, there I got are... a Kate. Yeah. I think I got yeah, a Kate what? Austin signed baseball over there, too, but maybe not. I don't know. I don't want to promise yeah. that. Oh well, you know, yeah. Well, we'll work out that because I've got a hundred dollars in gift cards that Meredith gave me as well. So we we got some stuff we get a we'll we'll get to here yeah. uh, over we the next. Some, we got to get some trivia questions, boys, and stuff like that. We, we can do trivia. We can make trivia and yeah, all this stuff. Uh, uh, speaking of trivia, you know, like what are the new rules of Major League Baseball this year? I don't know. No, I'm just kidding, uh, Evan. That that's a conversation we're going to probably have to have tomorrow because of how the Braves game ended. Um, it's, mm -hmm. it's I, on, this is, it's look, it's I early. Can't. You have to implement these new rules. You got to push them in while you're in spring training. So the guys know what to do and they learn them. And then you get into the season and it's still going to happen somewhere in the regular season, somewhere in a game and somebody's going to get mad. I, 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 I don't agree with these rules. I think they're ridiculous. Um, but we're going to have to get to that tomorrow. And also, JC, the new 24-7 player rankings are out. I know we've gotten some questions on some of that stuff today, but probably not enough yeah, time to really, truly get Clint's through Clint's been it. keeping us updated. I'm not – I'm actually just not – I don't know what Clint's seeing it. Maybe I'm, – maybe I'm missing it somewhere. I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm still seeing Dylan Rayola as the number one player in the country on my end. So maybe – I don't know. I don't know where – I don't know where I'm seeing it at. So, <laughs> uh, but I've noticed that. And so, yeah, a lot of movement. I I'll say this 24 seven sports likes Josiah Thompson better than Cam Pringle. Um, so uh, it's on the big spur. Okay. So, um, oh, it's on three. Quantrell said, okay. But it's, <laughs> so it's, it's not, it's on three updated theirs. Okay. I got you. Well, so, oh, but that's well, fine that too. I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for them. If it so. if it does though, that will update the twenty four seven composite, right? Yeah. Yes. So that will change will. the composite rankings. Yeah, it will. So yeah, it will change all that, and uh, and that's good. New on three rankings. Yeah, Will Pruitt's got Dylan's uh, Josiah. So they they have Josiah ahead of Cam as well, but they have Cam at forty four. Gregory is number 48, Wendell Gregory. Michael mm -hmm. Smith, number 120. Maisie have been at 126. So that's uh, uh, that's two top 50 players that are already committed. 
and Pringle and Gregory. You got a top 20 overall prospect in Thompson that's a heavy lean. Michael Smith's already committed. He's 120. Maybe have been at 126. So, you know, that's just going to bring the whole because uh, the team rankings function uh, with 24 7 sports composites. So, um, that's just going to bring, it's going to elevate the class, if you will. And then Dylan Stewart, of course, the five star defensive end from Washington, D.C. Uh, like I said, look, I think the game packs are going to be in it with this guy. Uh, it's going to be a battle, though. Uh, don't don't just assume because the Gamecocks got Nick Harbor that and and all those guys from the DMV that that, that they they're right there with Dylan. Dylan's got him up in his top two or three, but I was told that is going to be that's going to be a battle, just like every other top. I mean, you've got Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, like all, all everybody in the country is is uh, is going to be in this one with him. For the for the distance, okay. If that makes sense, I mean, Nick Harbor kind of had his schools he liked, you know, and and he eliminated everybody else uh, relatively quickly. I mean, but uh, Dylan Stewart, I mean, you, you could just expect that Alabama and Georgia and everybody else they're going to be right there uh, for this kid the whole time. So it would be a hell of a recruiting pool, and I've seen this staff do some unexpected things before, uh, but uh, don't. Uh, I don't want to say don't get your hopes up because every time I say that, you know, uh, Shane Beamer and his staff do something to shock us all. But uh, don't I, I wouldn't I would not like hang on that and go that kid's coming to Carolina right now at this early stage because based on my feedback, yes, he's interested, yes, but it's going to be very very hard uh, uh, and difficult. Uh, and and look, that's the way it is. I mean, Georgia's not sitting there thinking it's going to be easy to get him either. Yeah, Alabama's not. I mean, that's just the way it is for a kid like that. So, yeah. uh, just uh, just a, a public service announcement about Dylan. Uh, well, Dylan. So you know. And f- final quick football stuff here. We didn't get much into it today at all. But Freddie Kitchens, of course, you've probably heard is departing for North Carolina as their tight ends coach. Um, Very interesting. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and interesting. Interesting. Yes, that that part is interesting. It's 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 not that interesting that he's leaving. Uh, my sources say he has really not been at all around the building much this year, quite frankly. So um, he just hadn't spent much time around the football program that he works for. So <laughs> I mean, it's man, uh, it's uh, yeah. you know that's that's kind of the telltale sign that he's probably looking to to do something else. So uh, I, I, yeah, be gone. I thought going to North Carolina was interesting there because I thought he would go back to the pros, but maybe he's looking to do the Dowell Loggins thing and get into college coaching. I mean, he, he was a grad assistant at Bama and then has been in the NFL for the whole time uh, until this past year. You know, it makes sense. You got the analyst, just like Dowell, he had the analyst job for a couple months at Penn State. Then he goes to uh, Arkansas as the tight ends coach. Uh, so, so we'll see. I, I just thought it was very interesting taking a tight ends coaching job at the University of North Carolina. I, I thought that was kind of just uh, see him really in about interesting. Six months. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I, for those of you that are worried that there's going to be some super secret signal stealing or something like that, I wouldn't worry about that. I wouldn't worry about it. It happens all the time. Coaches go from one place to another, and it's not. Not they're a big not, deal. Put it this um, way: they're not worried about that. Not, I wouldn't be worried. About that. <laughs> so, I'm not worried. They're not about worried that one at all. I'm not worrying. If they're no. not worried, I'm not worrying. He's just trying to take advantage of you know that he yeah. wants to be part of the Mac Brown coaching tree. <laughs> John Thompson just said something about Hojo's. I may get some fried shrimp for lunch. Hey, what fried shrimp? That we're talking. There's a there's a there's a restaurant here here that has uh, 
It's called 22 Fried Shrimp. 22, 22 Fried Shrimp? Fried shrimp. That's it. <laughs> I love good fried shrimp. They've got to be lightly fried. You can't just deep fry shrimp, man. Then you can't taste the shrimp. Yeah. yeah. You got to have that low country light batter kind of deal. So. Yeah. You know what? I might right, sit boys. outside in this 80 degree weather today and chew on some lightly fly- fried shrimp, JC. Yeah, as I watch the clouds build in the upstate. You enjoy five yeah. feet of snow up there like they are out in California. <laughs> uh, it's raining. There was a tornado warning earlier, so it's like, oh. ah. Yeah. Super. That ain't good. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. All right. We'll be back Thanks tomorrow. Thanks to everybody always. Yeah. No doubt. Who do we have tomorrow? Tomorrow's Tuesday? Tuesday? We will, we're back on our regular schedule with Sawyer Nick, so uh, we will have Mental another edge. installment of The Mental Edge tomorrow. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we can stir up somebody else we can always we can always scare us up a couple of guests Phil. scare us up a guest or two yeah (laughs) hope everybody has a marvelous monday afternoon we'll see you tomorrow at 11 a.m on inside the gamecocks the show from the sanorama studios